Blog Talk Radio. So it was a very competitive fight, very competitive fight. Um, 
And so we'll get into recap, obviously, you know, and then talk about kind of 2022 lightweight stuff. You know, if Lomachenko, speaking of Lomachenko, he's got a fight coming up against Richard Comey on ESPN after the Heisman Trophy winner. So it should get a really nice rating. Um, will Devin Haney fight Gambosas in Australia if, in fact, it comes? Will Gervonta? Will Isaac Cruz? No, I mean, um, or will Cambosis, you know, get called a mandatory? You know, the WBA, the WBO, the WBC. There's all a there's a there's definitely a potential for that, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Gervonta did drop his uh, trinket. WBA at 140, so that's gone now, so that's good for the WBA, but they got two titles at 135, they have, well, they had three titles at the WBC did at 135, you can count the franchise, Devin Haney, and going into it with the in-troop strap with JoJo Diaz, so will they call it, and like I said, the WBO, I don't know, but we'll definitely talk about that. What's next? Realistically, you know, I've said for quite some time, I think the first fight that we thought we were actually going to get in the summer was Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia, as far as those two facing off against the likes of Cambosas and now Isaac Cruz and Devin Haney. You still can't forget Tiafimo. And, and well, I guess you can't forget Comey if you beat Lomachenko or something like that, but then Lomachenko. And so either way, this, this lightweight lightning, wasn't that a pay-per-view card? I think Goldboy did it. Lightweight Lightning had four lightweight fights, I believe. Um, anyway, it's been fun. It's been fun, and we're now seeing that there's actually a little bit more depth than we thought even six months to a year ago. And really, the not even. Shit, we could say two weeks, three weeks, right? Because Cambosis and Cruz, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people under – underestimated that fight so like i said we'll look forward to uh this weekend as well nonino donair returns against gabayo um so we'll talk a little bit about the undercard there's not really can't miss undercard fights per se driven but we'll talk a little bit about that um and then you know we'll well first of all happy birthday age 90 now bob aaron wow i've said it for the last 10 years, if I could have the energy, if I could even have 70 or 80% of the energy this guy has at that age, man, you got, you know, there's plenty to say about Aram as a uh, promoter of late, but age 90, dude, wow. Happy birthday, Bob. I want to see him live to 120. Uh, But yeah, we definitely will talk um, like Ugas, the WBA, Stanonius, Ugas. Unfortunately, not for Stanonius, but unfortunately it sounds like that. Well, it's not going to go to purse bid, but that fight's going to happen. So what's that mean for Spence? Um, Will he, in fact, just go right to the Crawford fight? I I highly doubt it, but you never know. You never know. I mean, he was going to go right to the Ugas fight, so uh, we'll see. Um, and then, you know, there are other, there's other fight news out there. Um, and, of course, we'll have our boxing Twitter segment, uh, you know, where we read, read the tweets of the week. We also kind of discuss uh, 
the fanboy stuff, right? And media members, of course, behaving as fanboys too. We can't we can't forget about those media members that uh, you know routinely rip fanboys, but then sit there and tweet like a fanboy. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, but yeah, there is some other fight news out there. Teofimo Lopez, uh, his doctor, physician, whatever, um, said some pretty troubling stuff that we'll talk about as well. Um, I don't know. You know, I've talked to a, a couple of people about having air in your chest that's not supposed to be there. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm not gonna. Um, go into detail too much because I don't I don't know. I mean, the doctor makes it sound like he would have been dead if he got hit in the right spot. He shouldn't have been up there, but I don't know. How much of a breathing problem was he having? I don't know. It's tough to say. He didn't look gassed like right away, but uh, he didn't look his best, that's for sure. A lot of it had to do with strategy as well. But um, So yeah, we're going to get into that, like I said, preview the weekend and whatnot. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, almost across the board. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you you may like. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks without an additional fee, which has become an issue on cable platforms, as you know, sports fans. And then if you go all the way up, boxing fans, listen to this, if you go all the way to the premier package, you get HBO and Showtime included in there. And Showtime's only $11 on the form as it is. That's DirecTV Stream. Okay. Now, you know, Breaking, we're going to start with Gervonta and Isak because, uh, or Isak. Um, did I just say Isak? 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 Um, shots out to him, first and foremost, because, uh, you know, there's plenty of uh, fighters, once they get their opportunity, um, I'm not going to say just showing up for the check. We've seen it. Um, whether it's someone that just kind of like, hey, I'll take it. I don't care. I'll come off my couch and take it. Or maybe an older fighter, right? One last fight. But he took advantage of his opportunity. And um, like Gervonta said after, and I thought that was pretty cool, he said, a star is born here. And I, I, I saw some clips at the Laker game, people stopping him, multiple people stopping him and getting, you know, a picture with him, shaking his hand. And that's how you do it. You come in as a B-side, not that he left as the A-side, but he le- his profile is much higher than it was one, um, especially a, a packed staple center like that. 
and uh, in that area, L.A., right? So he, he can now be seen as the A-side against some of these fighters at lightweight, which keeps getting deeper and deeper. So shout out to him. Shout out to both these guys. First of all, both these dudes have solid chins. It was I did kind of feel like we were going to be able to see what kind of chin Gervonta had. And in uh, Cruz, to an extent, right, I thought we kind of gear up for it. Like, okay, which one is going to have the best chin? Because both of them were going to get hit in this one. And, of course, you get hit in every fight, but, like, really hit. You know what I mean? And I got to say, both of the chins definitely held up. I mean, you know, Isak looked like he was kind of breathing a little heavy at times. But it didn't stop him from – he didn't have, like, three or four rounds where he, he wasn't doing anything. You know what I mean? And uh, Gervonta kind of mixed up boxing on the move, those, you know, right um, hooks and, and left uppercuts. You did kind of notice he was going away from the left hand. You did – you know, I saw plenty of people kind of looking at Twitter and, or, you know, commenting, like, what's up with that hand? And then we did find out he did hurt it. But he said there's no excuse and whatnot. You know, maybe he'd get the knockout, maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. But Cruz, man, this guy is tough as nails. And uh, right off the bat, I gave him the first round. He came out, you know, with pressure. And it's funny because I saw a lot of people saying, dude, if so-and-so puts on this type of pressure, dude, he'll get knocked out. Gervonta's getting knocked out. It's like, okay, but at lightweight, who puts on the pressure like Cruz, though? Does Ryan Garcia come forward at you? Sure, he does. Does he apply this pressure and get all the way inside paws, you know, to the chest and stuff like that and and do these looping shots? It's a different type of pressure. The only guy at the top levels that pressures kind of like this, I'd say, is maybe Gervonta, but he's much more uh, calculated even coming forward, you know. So – uh, Jojo Diaz, if he came forward like that, okay. But he doesn't have a lot of power at 135. Cruz, I think, is a bigger puncher than him, probably. I'm not trying to make out Cruz to be some kind of killer puncher, but he, he's got more than pop, in my opinion. Um, is Haney going to walk down? Is that is that his, is Loma and Haney, is that their – he's just going to walk down Davis? Is that their – at the top levels, do they do that? Teofimo Lopez, can he walk people down? Sure, but that's not his style per se right off the bat. You saw him try to walk down uh, Cambosis. That didn't go too well for him. So I think Cruz at the high levels is probably the best pressure fighter in the bunch as far as just coming at you, getting in your chest, landing these looping shots. Um, so it is It is kind of funny, you know what I mean? And, and we did say last week that we would see a different game plan in a different, you know, how you, the, you know, A, B, C, the game plans, right? And Tank did show his ability to move, defend somewhat. Both of them actually defended pretty well. Both of them had this, this kind of underrated head movement and it, the ability to block shots. I'd say the head movement was more Gervonta. He blocked some shots, but it was more head movement foot. Whereas, um, you know, 
although Cruz had good head movement, upper body movement, it, it, to me it was, uh, you know, blocking shots. He did a really good job at that. But anyway, Cruz is his own, well, pit bull. <laughs> That's his nickname. That's him right there, in, you know. So he did kind of early on. He brought that pressure. He was going to the body. Um, he was landing the left hook. And he was kind of leaping with his shots late. But they, they were they were still compact. I think they were a little bit more compact than they had been in the past. Um, so I gave him the first round. I gave Davis rounds two and three. Um, he started to, you know, pivot off that uppercut counter and started to land the straight left hands as well. Um, Cruz landed some good body shots and whatnot, but not enough. Then Davis kind of added the jab to go along with the left uppercut and right hook. Well, then he actually started throwing a right hook. And you could start to see his footwork coming into play as well. I did think Cruz took back the round, though, in the fourth. And that's where I thought that was one of his best rounds when it came to blocking some shots. That early pressure that he brought on, hooks to the head and body. Um, Tank closed well with some good shots, but some hard shots. But I I do think uh, the fourth round went to Cruz. Um, Fifth and sixth, especially the sixth, I thought was really competitive. Um, But I did, I kind of thought Davis went into the pot shot and move mode, you know, um, and, and I think some of that, like the flush shots late, I think he, the speed shots and also the flush pot shots, I did think he won that round, but it was close, it was very close, um, in the sixth round, Cruz with landing some really nice short right hands, um, and there was some back and forth, no doubt, but I, I think the cleaner shots with defense, kind of the stick and move. I did favor Davis there. The seventh round, you know, the seventh and eighth were were competitive, very competitive rounds. I did think, though, that Davis, you know, kind of in and out with those hooks and straight lefts and right, you know, right hands. I thought he won the round. I did give Cruz the eighth. I thought he kind of stole it late, kind of mid-late. I think he landed the better shots. Um, The ninth round, another competitive round. Um, I did, that's where I kind of saw Cruz breathing a little heavy. Now I'm not going to say, it didn't seem like either of these guys, I think both of them kind of got stood up at times, maybe a lightly buzzed. There was a moment there, the crowd kind of, it kind of, it came alive on that standing up and all that. There was, it seemed like the ninth round Cruz was starting to slow down a little bit and there was multiple heavy shots by Davis, so I did give him that round. Um, and then, um, what else we got here? The Davis, I gave the 10th, although Cruz got off to a, a good start, and he had a, a, a nice push late. I thought that right hook landed just bigger and better. I thought overall um, Davis won the round. Gave Cruz a competitive 11th round gave Cruz that one. And then, once again, a competitive uh, – people thought the 12th round was competitive anyway. I thought the 11th round was more competitive than 12th. I, I thought, did he did he throw his left hand? I'm not sure if he threw his left hand, maybe once or twice in that 12th round. Like I said, the last part of the fight you could kind of tell 
that his, his hand was hurt, but the defense, the jabs, the right hooks, I mean, he used his his hand, just one hand for that whole – I mean, if he would have fought most of the fight exactly like that round, he would have dominated the fight, you know? Of course, that was just one round. He had some more rounds like that, uh, did Gervonta, but maybe they would have caught up to that, too, if he only did that, you know what I mean? Um, he was saying, what would he say, the sixth round, seventh round, something like that, that if he kind of re-injured it, he had injured it in camp, um, you know. Um, he did say punching, kind of punching down at him kind of affected it. And I could see that, but he also said in the presser that, you know, he's not here to make excuses. I don't want it to be about that. Um, and like I said, I don't know. I mean, he, the left hook and the left uppercut, he didn't get a chance to land the left uppercut that many times. Or, I'm sorry, the, the left hook. He definitely was landing that left uppercut, but the right hook was more in play. There was a lot of good exchanges. Um, and like I said, both of them showed some defense uh, in this type of fight. Um, Cruz landed 121. Um, and it was 121, and then um, and he threw 553 at 22% landing, and uh, Davis uh, landed 133 through 462, and landed 29%. The scorecards read two of them, seven to five, 115, 113, and one eight to four, 116, 112. So the the two winning cards, so to speak, if you get two cards in your favor, you're going to win the fight, right? But the fact that the two winning cards were 7-5, I was very happy. Um, I guess I could see an 8-4, but I, I scored it 7-5 or 7-4-1. So I'd be willing to go to 8-4, but I'd also, you know, I could see the people that had it a draw. You know, I could see that. I didn't, but, you know, I haven't watched the fight again, so maybe I did. You know, maybe I would. One thing I'll say, though, I didn't give seven rounds. Like like Mannix and Mora, we get it. You work for the zone, dude. We get it. But they're at a bar someplace, I think, and they're basically saying the max I could do was a draw. Otherwise, I had, like, I had Cruz winning. That's what Mannix said. I, I had Cruz winning, but I could only do a draw. I, I couldn't see any way Gervonta would win. And then Mora even said at – no point was he winning this fight. And I thought, huh, are you sure? So you're saying through seven rounds. Well, either way, I thought it was just kind of funny. I mean, just because he was coming forward, that's it. So it's just coming forward. Like he landed good shots. Shit, I had it seven to five. <laughs> but I didn't see the seven or eight rounds just because of the pressure. I, I couldn't see seven rounds for Diaz. A draw, sure. I, I could go with that. But seven to five, seven four one is my scorecard. Um, and like I said, just a, a really fun fight. And it just, you know, when you're when you're a popular fighter, you're gonna get more haters, right? Than than your average fighter, unless you're going to play the villain. I guess you know some guys just are the, trying to be the villain no matter what. But then again, they get a little hardcore following too. Look at Roley. Um, but it's three fights in a row now where the opponent has been looked at like it's shitty. You know, like it's eh, it's not, it's not that good. And, you know, I can understand if you don't want to pay pay-per-view for a top 10 
versus top ten fight, like only the number one and number two in a division, or only, I don't know. I mean, like how low can you rank Isak Cruz now? Like, do you still have him at ten? Some people didn't have him at ten. I think one of the ranking systems did someone not have him at ten? I can't remember, but. I just think it's funny. Like I said, you're going to get more haters when you're popular, but when you're also an Al Heyman fighter, and I'm talking, I'm not talking just fans, but this kind of plays into it. But we're talking about certain media members per per normal, right, per usual. But I mean, think about it. This fight was a good ass fight. A lot of people dumped on this fight, like Cruz was a bum or something like that. Last fight, Barrios. I mean, many people on my timeline had Barrios up when he got knocked out on Tank. So therefore, if you had him up or even a competitive close fight, these aren't shitty fights. They aren't. Now, is it uh, a few weeks ago, Tiafimo, you know, against Tank or Devin Haney? No, it's not. It's not. But the only big, big fight that's been put together as far as on paper going in, because obviously Cambosis and Isak Cruz, both very underrated coming in. I, I think I rated Isak Cruz higher than I did Cambosis, and a lot of that is because I saw him fight like two razor-close fights against guys that aren't on the level of Tiafimo and uh, some of these other guys. Um, but when it's a competitive fight and you could argue that it was a draw and some people thought he won, then your complaint level is funny because it's like, well, which one is it? Is it a shit fight or did you have him lose it? <laughs> you know, which one is it? Like, uh, like I said, a lot of people had Barrios up before Tank knocked him out. And then you go back to Leo Santa Cruz and I said it all along that 130 Seeing him at 130 in that one fight, it seemed like he would probably need another fight or two to adapt to that weight. But he may just not be as good at 130 as he was at 126. We said that going in. But when you see it, and that's that's why some of these fights you have to wait to the ring. Uh, Time and time again, we talk about boxing Twitter and all the professional matchmakers. Well, 99.9% of these matchmakers quote-unquote, on Twitter, are not professional matchmakers. I'm included in that. We don't make any parts of our living off matchmaking. So at some point, you got to either admit you're wrong or not judge it fully. And I think a lot of these PBC fights, the judgment is on paper, and then it kind of stays that way. And if it's a good competitive fight, then the, the A-side PBC guy well, he's not that good. You know, that's basically what it turns into. But Leo Santa Cruz did very, very, very good in that fight. So, meanwhile, you know, they're brushing up, you know, at 130, 135, 140, he went out there and fought solid opposition. No, it's not. It's not Lomachenko. It's not that. I do want to see these guys square off. But like I said, the only big, big fight going into it was Lomachenko. And, um, Tiafimo at this weight class, right? Either, you know, Haney not a- able to get that fight because obviously that was right. He was 
going to be the mandatory. And then they, you know, sometimes a mandatory can unify, and that's what he did. So he went and fought a different fighter. He went and fought Tio and lost. So, you know, let's let's see what happens in 2022. And I, and I do think that people forget, like I mentioned earlier, do that Ryan Garcia fight. We thought it was almost a done deal. I mean, Garcia's saying he's going to knock him out in, what, three rounds or whatever he was saying? He's on the Mike Tyson podcast. They called Gervonta up and talked about it. Now, I get why an exhibition for bigger money against Manny Pacquiao would uh, would distract you. You know what I mean? I get that. I do get that. But this whole, oh, you're ducking, you're hiding from them. It is funny how fighters that have been on the shelf, the second something happens like this, you know, I'll go there. I'll go to Australia, or I'll go, you know, I'll fight Gervonta now. So, and obviously he had a fight scheduled, and he got hurt. It was, it was Manny, then mental health, and I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying it was the Manny, then mental health, right? And then, and then he got hurt because he was obviously, and that's why it was really cool to see Diaz and Haney get get together like that. But, you know, where did you rank Diaz? Did you rank him top five? I didn't rank him top five. I think some rankings had him six or seven, though. But did he deserve to be in top ten? Sure, okay. I mean, it. but he didn't beat a top guy at the weight yet. So, I don't know. I just think it's funny how this narrative just keeps going. I don't know. And, and don't get me wrong, I think, like, a lot of these guys, including Gervonta, they're either way overrated or they're pretty underrated. It just it matters who you talk to and what time, you know, different accounts on your timeline and stuff like that. It's, I think with a lot of these guys, it's somewhere in between. And, but we have to see them fight to figure it out. And, and if, you know, if these two fights in a row, you know, didn't, you know, clear that up, that we do need to see. These. You can have your opinion on who you think's the best, you know. I'm sure when Lomachenko wins this week, he'll be the best light in the way, right? But you do got to decide in the ring. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that, well, it'll be it's early December. Shit, in like a month, it'll be, well, obviously January, but that'll be a, that'll be a full year since Ryan Garcia's out of the ring. So are they going to want to bring Ryan Garcia back, test his hand, get a fight in, and then fight in the summer or something like that? I don't know, but they should really – I mean, of course, they're going to – you know, both sides are going to at least look at the Cambosa situation, right? Obviously. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to go on there. It's going to be interesting to see um, Cambosis claims he can, you know, just fill up a eighty thousand uh, seat stadium. What what was Horn? Was that like a fifty or sixty thousand uh, Pacquiao Horn in Australia? I can't remember. I, I I thought this to myself, and I I noticed someone on a podcast, someone on a YouTube channel, other people on boxing Twitter were talking about it too. It's like if there's such huge money in Australia, because there was for that Horn fight, pretty big money for Pacquiao. And they used it through the, you know, the tourism thing from your government, right? So why didn't anyone, why didn't 
anyone from Australia bid on the Tiafimo, they could have gotten the fight on the Tiafimo fight, you know, with George Cambosis. Um, it seems like there was some contact with Triller and Cambosis and, and Lopez, allegedly, uh, you know, knowing they're going to put a big bid on it. So maybe the powers that be were like, ah, let, let's let them do it here. But um, we'll see, you know. And, and another thing, like I mentioned, being that he has all the belts, uh, Cambosis, the WBA, the WBO, the WBC, all are going to have mandatories here soon. I mean, somewhat, you'd assume. Um, you got Bob Arum talking about if Loma wins, Lomachenko wins this weekend. That the w, he's confident the WBO will call it. Well, the WBA seems to be calling certain fights and others letting others kind of slide. Look what they did to Ugas, but then look at Murata, you know? Look at Arislani Lara. Like, he, he just screwed in it, too. So, I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. Like, so shouldn't you do something with Tank at 135 since, you know, you're calling Ugas, who just beat Pacquiao. He's got to face two fighters. So what is what does Cambosis have to do? You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens. Uh, the thing about the reason why I'm talking about the first bid is because we know, generally speaking, there's a, a cut on that first bid, whether it's seventy thirty, whether it's fifty five forty five, you know, whatever. That plays into it. That does play into it, and I don't know. We'll see who calls first. But, yeah, I wonder how much money they're willing to put up there um, because Bob said, you know, we're definitely willing to bring Lomachenko over there, and clearly Eddie Hearn and Devin Haney are ready to go. Um, Steven Espinoza and, and um, Leonard Ellaby and that side of Gervonta – they seem to be like, well, I mean, if the money's there, sure, but is the money there? We got to see the money, because otherwise, we can offer him a lot of money too. And who knows? Maybe he'll just find a decent fight. Maybe the Australian Tourism Department will get behind him fully. You know, now bringing Manny over compared to bringing Haney over—that's not as big as a spectacle, as far as payment money. But then again, you don't need as much, right? You don't need to pay Lomachenko, whatever it was, $10 million or whatever, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. But I do kind of think that Haney and possibly Lomachenko have the best shots at landing that fight. And I also think Ryan Garcia – well, I guess you could throw Ryan Garcia in the pot too. But Ryan Garcia and Tank should fight next because that is obviously the biggest fight as far as being able to sell an arena, sell a pay-per-view, hype the fight. That's a big fight. I'm not saying it's doing a million buys or anything like that, but it's a big fight. So that's the money fight. I've always thought that those two would fight first. Uh, like, because they've talked about Haney. they talked about Tiafimo. they talked about in the future because they're all so young. Well, Tank now is 27. So you can't, you could say he's in his prime, but you can't say he's young. And pretty soon these guys are going to be 25, 26 before you know it. So... That's why I think it's very important for Javante and Ryan Garcia to fight next summer or whatever. I really think that they should get in the ring and get it in. And then, you know, as 
far as the other stuff too, you know, um, as far as the other matchups I'm speaking of. I think that hopefully we get one or two. Hopefully we get two of these big fights, if not three of them, but two big fights next year in that division and then maybe some other solid stuff too. Now, as far as the undercard, before we get to the Devin Haney stuff, um, the Fondora and Garcia fight, although I appreciated the competitiveness, because it was competitive, uh, so that was cool. But as far as going in, um, it just wasn't as action-packed as I thought it would be. You know, I don't think that's really going, uh, you know, going out on a limb on that one. You know what I mean? I don't think that's going out too far on that. I, I thought it was a good fight. Don't get me wrong. It was a good fight, but um, it just didn't quite live all the way up to it, uh, in my mind. You know what I mean? In my mind. Um, for some reason, my scorecard, where is my scorecard? Oops. How did I score it? Because I'm pretty sure I had it. Well, obviously, pretty damn close. It was a competitive fight. You can make an argument, I think, uh, potentially for both these guys. I really do think that. Um, yeah, I don't know where that went. Weird. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where, where the, I got, like, half of it. Weird. Um, I actually did score it. Oh, forget it. I was looking at it wrong. <laughs> I scored it for Fondora 7-5 to five or 6-5-1, but I'd be content with the draw as well because um, it was competitive. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I thought Fondora uh, got off to a decent start in the first round, uh, winning the first maybe. I thought he did good in the first three rounds or something like that. It's kind of funny how this fight turned out because Fundora, for all the exciting fights he's been in, a lot of the criticism, for obvious reasons, is like, dude, use your height, man. You're you're seven foot nine and you're 150. No, he's not seven nine. But you know, he's a long dude. He's got an 80 inch reach or whatever. That's freaking nuts for a for a 154 pounder. I mean, there's heavyweights that don't have it. So it's funny. He actually used his outside skill in this one, and he turned Sergio Garcia into a guy that had to get on the inside and try to rough him up. And that's not necessarily his game either. So I thought it was smart, but in the same breath, he was getting a lot of criticism. Some of these folks were kind of talking out of the side of their mouth, though, because it's like, well, hold on, dude. Weren't you the one saying that he should use his height. Well, he did that in this fight. Um, but, yeah, it, it considering the anticipation going in, it definitely didn't live up to it as far as action. You know, good fight. No doubt about that. But it just, I don't know. Um, but you can see Garcia right off the bat was uh, aggressive. Um, I think a late uppercut and a couple nice left hands, straight left hands from Fundora won that. The second round, super close. Second and third round were very competitive. Shit, a lot of these rounds were, right? Uh, he started landing it. Well, both of them were landing uppercuts, now that I think about it. 
It's one of those, the second round kind of felt like Garcia was busier, but maybe the better shots were coming with Sonora, and that's like the oldest uh, argument in the book. Which one counts more? If a guy's way busier, then maybe you can give him that, but if a guy lands a better shot, but he only lands two, three punches in the round, it's a little different, kind of funky. But um, you started to see Garcia make some progress. And third round, by the fourth round, I think Garcia got cut there. It actually looked like Fundora was cut, but it, he was actually, they were just kind of um, once in a while clashing heads, so some of the blood got on him, but it looked like he was bleeding out of his nose and his eye, but it was actually Garcia. But neither cut was, like, horrible, or, you know, his cut wasn't horrible, so it really helped. But he started to get inside and land hooks and just outwork them and, and, and land uppercuts. Um Nice right hand, like three or four really nice right hands by Garcia. Um, and even though those uppercuts by Fundora and all that, to me, I thought Garcia made a decent little run here. Definitely the fourth, uh, definitely the fifth. Really good inside work, and he'd wing these uh, overhand rights. So let's say after the sixth round was close, too. I'm telling you, there's a lot of close rounds here. You know, you could have it 3-3. Three, three at the break, um, sit, you know, after the sixth round, maybe 4-2 Pandora, I don't know. Um, the left uppercut, though, in the sixth round, some better shots. I actually thought Pandora won that round. Garcia, um, I mean, once again, the seventh and eighth, you know, very very competitive. I thought he was a little bit more effective, Pandora, in the seventh, but the eighth and the ninth I gave to Sergio Garcia for sure. Um, he just he seemed a little bit more strategic, and he was doing a little bit more in and out, and he was working behind the jab, too. I thought that was a key. Um, so I gave him that nice little spurt. Like I said, maybe he won the seventh. Maybe he won the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I definitely gave him the eighth and ninth, though. And then I thought Fundora closed a little stronger, and that's why I had him win it. Uh, the jab in the right hand or the jab in the check hook, he did. At, he was. He was kind of, as I said, Garcia was kind of in and out. He was starting to get back to his own self, where he'd come forward more. And I thought, like the last round, he was just getting the better of the exchanges, better shots. Um, big exchange late because right hooks. I had him winning seven to five. Like I said, six five one. But in this fight, there's so many swing rounds. You know, like how I said in the Davis Cruz fight that. I'd be okay with the draw, but I wouldn't give seven rounds, you know, to uh, Isak Cruz. But in this one, I'd be willing to go seven to five either way, six five one either way, or a draw. I thought it was that close. Um, the punch stats: What do we got? One eighty-seven landed out of seven seventeen thrown, twenty-six percent. So Fundora. Was a little more accurate, that's for sure. Landed a little bit more, but one one eighty seven compared to one sixty three, uh, you know, uh, seven seventy eight. He actually wasn't more active. Seven seventeen. I, I did that wrong. Seven seventy eight for twenty one percent. That's what Garcia was. That one scorecard. Well, first of all, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't big on the nine to three scorecard either, um, at all. But that ten to two. What is it? Rochin or Rokin? Rochin. A lot of people identify him as a shitty uh, L.A., California ref just in general, and, and I'd have to agree with that one. 
Seven five's cool. A little far. Some people had eight to four, whatever. But I couldn't see nine to three, and I damn sure couldn't see ten to two. So I thought that was bullshit. I thought Fundora won the fight, but um, we'll see. I'm pretty sure it's Erickson Lubin next, and then that makes it an official, um, you know, title eliminator to become the Mando for that WBC. And who knows? That fight's supposed to happen in February. Maybe someone will drop something because I still don't know if people are ready to watch Lubin uh, Charlo if he were to win. Now, maybe that would be the rematch if he lost the rematch with uh, Castaño. If Charlo loses to Castaño in February, maybe that would be who he'd fight for it. Maybe not. Maybe Castaño would get the fight. I don't know if they're going to hang out of their belts. That's what I'm saying. You never quite know um, how long they can hold on to theirs just because the you know a lot of factors in there. It's like, well, if I could take this bigger fight, I'd probably want the bigger fight rather than, you know, like a Spence fight. You know, if Castaño wins and he's undisputed, you can't tell me a Spence fight's not coming soon, within a year or something like that, maybe a little longer. But you know what I mean? So he may want to drop a belt too. Who knows? But anyway, um, competitive fight, so that was cool. But, yeah, it didn't live up uh, to the action that we thought we were going to get. Going into that thing. Most people were just, you know what I mean, just so excited. Just couldn't wait to see that fight. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes that just happens. Major credit away when this happens because, you know, I mean, they match them up, they put them in the ring. That's all you can do. The opener, Eduardo Ramirez and Miguel Moraga, you know, or Mariaga, that was a, it was kind of funny. Because that was like a clear win for Ramirez, no doubt about it. Like, the scorecards were wide. He clearly beat them. But it was fun. It was fun how we got there. You know what I mean? So that's one of those one-sided fights that, um, sure, no doubt. But they, but it was action. So I, did, I still did appreciate that that was on the cards. Like, okay, that's a good first fight. But the, the one that we were all kind of looking looking forward to on the undercard beyond the Fondora Garcia was uh, Derevanchenko. How come I can't say his name right? Ever since the V is in there more now, Derevanchenko. Derevanchenko um, in Adamas. Um, this was a fun fight. This was a fun fight. And I I did pick Dervinchenko to win the fight. Um, but Adamas, dude, I mean, he really impressed me. I was really impressed. I had him winning the fight. Whether it was six to four, maybe even seven to three, maybe five, four, one, I don't know, but either way I had Adamas win. I did. I really was impressed with him. I thought he had, I mean, Isak Cruz maybe, maybe overachieved. You know, we'll see his rest of his fights. Maybe that's just where he was and he was underestimated. But Adamas freaking looked good, dude. I liked it. I liked what I had to see. 
that counter uppercut and his upper body movement in general. Um, I gave him three out of the first four rounds. I really think the counter shots, working the body still, those straight right hands, stiff jab left to the body, whereas it seemed like Jaravianchenko was mostly jabs, you know what I mean? Um, he had, like, even in the second round, he, he probably stole that round, but it was still a competitive round. Um, after the fifth, I, I did give, or I did give him the fifth, Derevinchenko. Um, Adamas got off to, like, a, a good start in that round, but I think that Derevinchenko finally started picking up the pace more behind the jab, throwing combinations, getting them on the ropes. And that's where if you're going to fight this fighter, we've seen him struggle when he's on up against the ropes. And you, you look at this fight and you go, man, how the hell did he lose to what's his toes? The guy that Castaño beat, Teixeira. You look back and you go, man, styles do make fights, dude. Like, it's just crazy. Uh, but after that, it was a two-way sixth round. I thought he, he was busier, Adamus, and and he, he had better head movement. Seventh round. Eighth round was a great round. That was, like, super fun. Um, Adamus probably closed stronger. Uh, the left hook and looping uh, right hands by uh, Derevinchenko. Head in body there. I, that was a close round. You could give either guy the round there. I did think uh, Adamus bounced back, though. And uh, his upper body movement counter hook just stole the show there even though once again Derevchenko had a good round or whatever I did give him the 10th but yeah 6 to 4 maybe somewhat 7 to 3 you know 5 4 1 whatever the fuck but um they 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 throw basically this dude they both threw five well 562 and 569 and both of them landed at 28% Derev got outlanded by five punches give or take so that was a competitive fight, man. And that was really the – I kind of felt like it was the fight of the week, and even though most people will say Gervonta and Isak. Um, but I I did think, though, that by the mid to late rounds that Gervonta would, would TKO or knock out straight up, knock out Cruz, and, and, and credit to him. But I thought that would be more of a banger right away. And then – and it was a banger, but – I, I, I did think there'd be more mixing it up even more, and that's when Cruz would get caught with something. And don't get me wrong, he got caught with a bunch of left hooks and right hooks and uppercuts and all that, but dude's got a great chin. Like I mentioned, both of them have great chins, man. Both of them have great chins. All right, so um, let's see here. Let's, uh, let's go on to uh, Devin Haney and Joseph Diaz Jr., um, it was hard to give too many, like you couldn't, this wasn't anywhere near a draw. I think eight to four, nine to three. I had it nine to three. I could see eight to four. I don't see seven to five, you know, don't get me wrong. Hey, you know, Diaz had his moments. There was enough of them and it took him like a good three rounds just to get his motor running. Haney came out jabbing, throwing the right hand. I love the right hand to the body. 
That right hand, yes, it was landed to the head by Haney, no doubt, but that right hand to the body, I loved seeing that. And Haney just had this subtle movement to him. There was times where he would push a little bit more than we're used to seeing forward, but it was strategic. It was, it was under control, but he just kept making these subtle little movements. And I think it took to what, the fourth round, for Diaz to warm all the way up where he landed good jabs and he landed multiple hooks. And uh, even though Haney may have, you know, finished start or finished strong in that round, there was a body shot in that round and a couple more shots later that you go, huh, is he hurt? You know, it seems like Haney has a little Thurman in him and that could be good, bad. But what I mean by that is, he doesn't have a great poker face when he's hurt. And I know he said he didn't get hurt as much as he got hurt against Lamar's. And, and I think that's true. But uh, that body shot early, I do believe it was that fourth round, maybe a little later, but in that round. And, and then some left hooks later. We'll talk about that. But Haney took the stuff right back. Fourth round, great. I'm right back on it. Right back on the game plan. Nice bounce back in the fifth. Same with the sixth. Busier, cleaner punching. Uh, that counter uppercut was starting to work. A lot of counter uppercuts this week, and I just realized that. Um, but I did give the left hooks. Um, you saw Haney moving probably a little bit more than he should, or at least the most in the fight that he had, but I gave the seventh round for sure um, to Diaz. And here's the thing. These left hooks, like I said earlier, I'm not saying Haney's a sucker for left hooks, but when a guy get and it's okay to get hurt, it's okay to get dropped, all that stuff. It's actually better to do it while you're going up so you get – can see the adversity and I, and I think that whether he was buzzed or hurt in this fight whichever it was he he learned from that he learned from the Lenar's fight and uh you know he, he fought really well but when you get hit by the same punch multiple times let's say in like a a 10 second 20 second gap that's where I'm like damn dude like Get hurt, that's fine, but man, you're going to get hit by the same exact shot. And that's that's something that you just kind of store in the back of your head, and you go, huh, okay, we'll see on that one. But like I said, i got to give Haney credit here because he bounced back. Um, even after a round he lose, he bounced back, but he bounced back in the sense of, because he dominated a lot of that Lenar's fight, but I did like how he... Um, handled this time around when he did get buzzed or whatever. Um, and Diaz, here's the problem. This dude's trying to land like the perfect one shot, one big shot. And it seemed like he almost the whole fight, maybe three rounds, three rounds I gave him. Um, it just seemed like that was the only time where he's being busy and, and, and throwing combos and stuff like that. It just seemed like, well, first of all, Haney has more pop than we think, or at least than Diaz thinks, because it did contain him, right? But that's where I thought Diaz had some issues. Not to say that 
he would have, you know, won the fight. But if he had just fought a different way and that's all he needed, I'm not saying that. But I did think he was headhunting too much. You know what I mean? I think he was headhunting a little too much. I, I did kind of notice that. You know, it's just kind of like, dude, like, what's going on, man? Like, what what are we what are we doing here? Let, let's not let's not do that. Um, but either way, I, like I said, I had Haney pretty easily. They had a one scorecard had an eight to four. The other two nine to three. I thought the scorecards were right on there. Haney landed one sixty four to one forty, and Haney outlanded Diaz. That's kind of what I'm talking about, or not outlanded him, but outthrew him six fourteen to to uh, five seventy three. So. Um, it was kind of funny, though, like, it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't that big of a crowd. I thought his last fight, it was, that was at the Mandalay, I thought they had, like, it just seemed like it was more lively. But the, the, the fans that were there did still represent, but they represented on both sides because you could hear at times, and even in the start, it was kind of a combination, Haney anyway, even though he's, you know, based out of Vegas, some of the crowd was booing him, you know, so there was plenty of folks there for Diaz. Um, but either way, a sound um, beating, good, good performance um, by Devin Haney. And we'll see. I mean, he, he talks about wanting to go to Australia and fight Cambosis and getting this uh, undisputed fight going on. Um, a lot of people think, Camposas isn't undisputed because of that WBC thing, but you know, when I look at that, there's really no, like, yeah, of course the franchise sucks, right? It's just like the super WBA, right? Where you don't have to do mandatories, but there's plenty of times, unfortunately, WBA did not let Ugas and Spence fight, but um, there's plenty of times where there's a mandatory due, right? But you can it supersedes it because you have uh, a unification fight. So that's really all I think happened there. You know, I mean, you, this whole Lomachenko ducked Haney, so he ducked him to go fight a, a, at the time a proceed, a, a, you know, a proceed. Uh, most people thought that was a bigger threat. So, you know. And, and, and he lost the fight. So if he ducked Haney to go fight a fight that he lost, then it's really not a duck. I've said that all along. It just seems like he's a mandatory, okay, well, we're going to skip this mandatory because we're going to go for all the belts. It's going to be not just a unification, but that's generally how that goes. So, um, But, yeah, I would like to see if they can't make the fights, then the sanctioning belts, Although they suck, they can be effective. And this would be the time to be effective, you know. And make it a smart split, too. Like, I think that's another thing that in play. Like, remember when the WBO called Sean Porter? Well, they made it a 60-40 split instead of a higher one. So that kind of gets you on the, well, hold on. Maybe we could, we could just figure this out, and it doesn't even come down to a first bid, you know. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, I'd assume – I wouldn't be shocked if Cambosis fought just a good fighter in Australia. 
But I could see, like I mentioned, Haney and Lomachenko. Um, because they just don't, they're not a, they're not this overriding A side like Tank is. So Tank could say, why don't we just fight here? It's more money for us. So if you can prove that Australia is going to put up money, the, the tourists, the tourism department, like they did for Manny, if you can prove it, cool, let's do it. But if they can't put up the bigger money, you might as well fight me here. Aussies can come here and we'll make more money. So either way, whereas Haney, um, like I said, he's not an A-side. So going there is like, why wouldn't I? You know, it'd still be big money and stuff like that. And Lomachenko is an A-side, but he's like a lot of other A-sides in the business. That you know, he just there's just not a lot of interest at the gate uh, for him. You know, and as I mentioned, like there's not many fighters that can go over even one million at the gate. It's it's difficult. It's very difficult. So, um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I'm thinking that Lomachenko Haney uh, will probably be fighting um, Cambosas before Ryan Garcia or before Tank, you know. And since those are the biggest two names of the division, well, that's the biggest money fight, well, then make that fight. Like I said, Last spring and early summer, we thought we had that fight. It was all but done. That was the plan. And then the Manny Pacquiao exhibition came up. And then later, you know, and I'm not poking fun, but mental health and whatever, you know. And then then a full-on injured hand, too. A lot of people thought he was faking that. Dude had surgery on I'm talking about Ryan Garcia, of course. He had surgery on a guy. So, you know, once you're in there for surgery, there's something going on. It's not like he's coming off a fight and making it up as an excuse or something like that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, man, the lightweight division it's 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 the layers now. The Cambosas, the Isak Cruz, like the layers that we got now is 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 really fun. And the next few years in and around one thirty five and one forty and hey, let's not forget some dudes can come up to one thirty five from one thirty. Right? I mean, that's that's got some talent there, too. Um, obviously, Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson would like, uh, you know, a word, too, possibly coming up. So, um, we'll see. But either way, uh, it was a very fun weekend. The undercard, I got to admit, the undercard, like I said before, is a little bit more prospect-driven. Um, it just there really wasn't. You know what I mean? Much to write home about, if we're being honest. I mean, um, it just it just wasn't. It just wasn't. Jessica Muscatskill, you know, what was it? Sixth or seventh round stoppage, pretty one-sided. Uh, Mark Castro, what was that? Second round, blew blew his guy out. Um, Montana Love looked very good. He had. Three knockdowns, takes apart Carlos Diaz in three rounds. You know what I mean? And so it was pretty – also, Anthony Yard actually did get his payback um, against uh, Lyndon Arthur. That was that was a, a – a, I mean, he, he tore him apart in, like,
like four rounds. There was also, oh yeah, Shiraz. Um, Shiraz, is that what it is? Shiraz? Uh, and Bradley Skeet, ninth round stoppage. And I'm pretty sure Bradley Skeet is, yeah, he's, he's actually, I'm looking at it right now, BoxingScene.com. Ron Lewis, British Boxing Board of Control to take a look at the Shiraz mercy. And Skeet was going to lose the fight. He was down. He took a knee. Down. Sitting on his knee. And oh boy, Shiraz, what was it, like a three-piece? He landed like three punches after. And it was like, whoa! And I think he got points deducted, but it it should have been a DQ. I mean, you can't land that many shots past it when it's that obvious. You know what I mean? So they are going to investigate that. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was a fun weekend. No doubt about it. We do have some uh, fights coming up this weekend that I'm looking forward to. We will kind of – we'll probably just go right into those. Um, and then we'll go to news. Ugas, um, unfortunately, is not going to be able to be allowed to um, fight Spence and have a unification, um, which is pretty bullshit. You know, it's their fault for making so many titles at 147. I'm speaking of the WBA. I think I said this last week or two. Maybe I already said it in this podcast. But how the fuck do you beat Manny Pacquiao? Because remember, there was an issue with super or regular. Well, who is it? Well, we stripped Manny. Why didn't you just – was he a champion in recess? I don't know. They basically created a real champ with Ugas in 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 um in Manny. Those are the two highest ranked guys in that as far as championships right there. So by them fighting, they created <laughs> the WBA champ, the super champ, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It shouldn't be called Super Champ anymore because, you know, unless it's like Super Bantamweight or something, it should be called Super because you're only going to have one besides the interim once in a while. So so you create a real championship. Ugas has already signed a contract to fight Spence in February. And that was the plan. And then out of nowhere, you know, at the time... We didn't know the plan 100%. So when I heard about, like, because I didn't know how long, it was tough to say how long Spence was going to be out. We knew it was a minor retina thing, and, and they caught it before it got worse, so we knew that was positive, but we didn't know if that meant six months or a year. It was tough to say. I didn't know. So when I first heard of this tournament, I said, oh, these are good fights. Cool. That'll keep Ugas paid and, and, and busy, and then he could fight you know, whoever, but like, literally they, they, they called this tournament and then he was like, well, hold on, you know, I already have some plans here. This is, this is the plan. So, and it was supposed to fight who got Spence, February, whatever it was, 22nd or whatever the hell it was. So it is a bummer, but either way, I said I was going to get to the fights. Let's just start with this news right here. Ugas and Stenonius, this is Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com. They agreed, agreement reached uh, 
uh, between sides that uh, the purse bid will be canceled. There was a purse bid tomorrow scheduled. So, um, unfortunately, well, and I'll say this. The only thing is, is he could actually drop the belt and just say, screw it, I'm going to go for Mike Spence. You know what I mean? That is something that he can do. But the request came a day late just 24 hours prior to the formally uh, ordered four-man box off. But, you know, they order this, they order that, they do this, they do that. We've heard all as a franchise for the WBC. You know, there's all this stuff out there. But at some point, since you can make up, you can you just make up a special, like, there's definitely room to maneuver when it comes to a big fight like this. And so, you know, Clearing out the champs and making just one champ is more important. Well, dude, it's your own fault you had three different titles there. You had a super, you had a regular, and then you had an interim. That's your own fucking fault. So why ruin it, you know? Like, who's Stan Antonius' beat to be able to say, oh, Ugas before Ugas and Spence? Hey, I get it. Stan Antonius, you know, he just, of course he's going to try I'm not ripping their side at all, but it just kind of like one step ahead, two steps back sometimes, you know, with these sanctioning belts. And I'm not just picking on the WBA. We're just talking about it right here because they, you know, they deserve some picking on <laughs> because, you know, they've had some some really good fights, but sometimes you're just like, what's, what's that all about? Why, why, why is that a belt? You know, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, but it just sucks. You know what I mean? It sucks. Anyway, this weekend, we do have some interesting fights, no doubt. Um, on Friday, or I'm sorry, on Saturday, on DAZN, Connor Ben and Chris Algieri. Connor Ben is uh, looking to gain more experience fighting, you know, over-the-hill guys, um, which I get it, you know. Chris Algieri did just have a fight not all that long ago, so that's good because he has been, you know, on the shelf more than not in the last few years. He's been, you know, doing the personal trainer. He's been doing broadcast stuff, which I think he's pretty good at. But so we'll see how that goes. You know what I mean? We'll see how that fight goes. Algieri's always game, skillful on the outside, maybe. Katie Taylor returns at a fight that, it says Sharapova. I don't think that's a tennis player. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to. This girl can punch me in the face pretty easy, but it shouldn't be much of a fight. That's on the zone, though. Um, and then of course we have Vasily Lomachenko versus Richard Comey. Uh, on the undercard, kind of interesting stuff. Uh, maybe not always the matchup, but the fighter itself. But in this one, Jared Anderson, the unbeaten uh, heavyweight U.S. Pro- uh, prospect. He's going against um, Alexander Teslenko, or Tes- Teslenko? Uh, Teslenko, I think it is. Uh, Teslenko. He, um, this is the fight that was supposed to be, didn't, yeah, because didn't Anderson, wait, did he, did this drop out? I can't remember. But anyway, that's, you know, it, it's Anderson. That's cool that they're giving, you know, a good shot out there. Um, Keyshawn Davis returns, uh, Nico Walsh, Nico Ollie Walsh returns as well. 
Um, Zayez, Xander Zayez returns. He's a really up-and-coming prospect. This dude's got a ton of talent. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely some prospect-driven stuff on this. Um, And that's on ESPN. And remember, that's after the Heisman Trophy award ceremony. So that should get a nice pop in ratings. I think this is, what, the third time Lomachenko's been in the spot? Or is it the fourth? I know he fought fought Rigo there on that date. I think he fought Pedraza because that's the night um, Tiafimo iced, oh, boy, on that undercard. I think it's the third. Maybe it's the fourth. I'm not totally sure. I think it's the third, though, time they put him. You know, and, and, and also uh, Nonito on Showtime, same night, Nonito Donaire and Raymar Gabayo. Um, fight. Uh, Brandon Lee in Juan Heraldez. That could be like a good action fight. I definitely favor uh, Lee in that. Um, There is also an IBF junior featherweight uh, title eliminator between um, Tisha Gawara and was it Tilapias? Tapales. I can't remember. That that actually might be a good fight. So some of these fights, oh, and uh, Ab- Abdu Karaba, Kar- Karaho, God damn, I, I'm just butchering that name. Karaho. I can't remember how to say that guy's name. I know that the IB, he's highly ranked in the IBF. He's taking on Cody Crowley. Um, Abdu Kakarov. Abdu Kakarov. That's, that's, I think, how you say it, or close to. Abdu Kakarov. He's up there in the IBF. He's sitting there on the mandatory trying to knock on that door, staying busy. I'm, I believe they've stepped aside him a couple times, if I, if I remember correctly. And then in Dubai, United Arab Empress, um, Sonny Edwards and Jason Mama, and also Casimiro and Paul Butler, and uh, Nietes and Jimenez, um, Jonah Caro, uh, Carroll is actually on the card, too. Also on the zone, I forgot about this, Dimitri Bivol will take on his, I believe it's his Mando, Salamov. Um, so we'll see. Oh, Teixeira is in action. Kurbanov. We'll see how that goes. Uh, big, you know, Kurbanov, a lot of people are high on him. Uh, we'll see how that goes. That doesn't, yeah, it's on the zone. So once again, a busy-ass weekend. Um. Real quick on the, you know, when you look at a lot of these fights this weekend, um, the you know, there's just uh, the Sonny Edwards fight, as far as the main events goes, is probably the closest. Let's see, actually. Yeah, he's a plus 250 and up. Uh, Edwards, I'm talking about Mama. Jason, Mama, um, over in Sonny Edwards, but my point is, what you got Algeria at the lowest he is is plus four fifty. You can find him all the way up to plus six hundred. Um, Donaire uh, Gabayo is like the lowest you can find him is uh, plus two seventy. So yeah, maybe maybe those are about yeah maybe that's maybe that's the closest fight. But you know I don't know. I mean, my point is. I don't know. Like Teixeira is actually a, an underdog, plus 215. Kurbamanov, um, um, 
he's definitely favored to, to win that fight. And, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, Patrick Jasheri can, you know, throw that off or whatever. Hank Lundy, Henry, Hammer and Hank Lundy in Robbie Davis, Davies Jr. So, you know, I'm just hoping that some of these fights, you know, can pop off, right? Where you just go, huh. And, you know, Gabayo is undefeated. He's 25-0 and 0 or 24-0. and 0. He's got, like, 20 knockouts. Um, his last fight was, I think, late last year. I think about a year's time, something like that. And that was that decision over Emmanuel Rodriguez. I think that was, like, a funky – let me look that up. I kind of want to think it was a funky decision there. But other than that, like, I remember Stephen Young, he fought um, – trying to think somebody else. Here we go. I'll go to the box back real quick. Uh, Vargas was 16-1. and one. Yeah, that was 115, 113, 116, 112, and 118, 110 at a split decision. And I don't, I, I don't recall – I kind of think it was a, a clean win. And I think it managed, I believe, God, I can't remember that fight totally. But anyway, um, you know, I mean, anytime, you know, Donaire obviously coming off, you know, I mean, he's been active at least, you know, of late anyway. You know, he got to fight late May. Um, and he, you know, Ubali knocked him out. <laughs> that was a nice win. So I definitely favor Donaire in this fight. But. Anytime you're, you know, late 30s, the dude's almost 40, for Christ's sake. I mean, this dude, like, you just never know when when that's going to fall off. But I don't know. I, I'm not picking him to win, you know. But Or I am picking him to win. I'm not picking him to get upset. But it could be an upset because we have seen him underperform at times. But that's been not the case lately and him going down to 118 was such a blessing for him because we knew featherweight was probably too high for him 122 was a good weight for him but 118 you know you normally never see you know someone at his age be able to go down and it's good but then again he went up because you know he was chasing bigger fights so he, he could make it just like uh Rigid Diao, he came back down um so, you know, it is what it is. By the way, 90 seconds left of the live stream, 646-381-4990. That's 646-381-4990 is the number to dial if you want to listen to the rest of the show. I'm going to give my predictions. We're going to hear from Portland. I'm going to go over some news. I got a bunch of different messages that I'll go over. Um, some people not happy with me. Some people happy. Who, who cares? Who knows, right? Um but as far as oops, as far as Lomachenko goes and, and, and Comey, Comey, you know, always a game dude, you know. And I respect a guy like this so much because his schedule, you know, win, lose, or draw, Comey's schedule, whether he gets knocked out, whether he maybe should have beat Easter, whatever the hell, this guy has just – He's really done it, man. Ever since he stuck, you know, got to that that world championship level, I mean, 
it was a razor tight, super fun to watch fight between him and uh, Robert Easton Jr. And then he followed that right up like six months later, taking on Dennis Shabakov, another split decision. Um, even beating uh, Luna, Alejandro Luna, the, the unbeaten prospect at the time. Um, beating Beltron, taking on Teofima Lopez. Uh, Jackson Martinez, wasn't that Martinez who actually had, um, most people thought he, Romero. And he knocked him out. Um, and now he's taking on Lomachenko. So no matter what happens in this fight, shout out to Comey. Comey's going to come at you. Sometimes, sometimes he won't be aggressive enough. Like, he'll be aggressive, but, he, but his punch count sometimes, his activity won't be as aggressive as you, as you need him. But at some point in the fight, he will be. You know what I mean? Um, the Teofimo fight, it did, you know, it didn't line up well for him. And Lopez it seems like he peaked right there. I'm not saying he can never find that again, but he definitely peaked at that moment. I know he beat Lomachenko next. You could say that was his peak, but just catching him perfect and knocking him out like that was, uh, you know, pretty wicked, obviously. Um, especially that early. But as far as this fight goes, he's just going to have to keep bringing that pressure. And, you know, Lomachenko, although he's got some pop, he's dropped some people at this weight. It's just, he's just power-wise, he's definitely not the same as he was at 126 and 130. And uh, Comey's got to somehow, it's so hard to cut the ring on Loma, but he's going to have to do it. You don't want to be sitting in a skill fest in the middle of the ring. That's not going to work. But you can't just let him, it's hard to say like, oh, you got to slow him down. You got to, you know, cut off the ring. But, you know, Loma's feet is so damn good and so quick. And he, the angles he uses, you know. Now, some of these angles leaves him close to the fighter, right, that he's facing. Some guys can take advantage of that. Some guys can can't, but even Linares wasn't able to take advantage of him for a little bit until he got stopped because he did drop him. Sometimes I forget about that. Good fight. Very good competitive fight. But and then you got to look at Comey. Like, what's he got left? Um, I think a lot. I do think a lot. I've seen that on boxing Twitter a little bit that Comey like Gary Vinchenko and Comey is the same thing and I see what they're saying because he has been in some, some you know, hard fights. Don't get me wrong, but you know he's uh, I mean, he got knocked out by Tiafimo. He's been in some brawls and all that, but he did have you know a little run. I'm looking at it right now. You know, after he took a lot those back-to-back tough fights, we're talking that's 2016, if you can believe it. Then he had you know some not that if you beat someone clean that you don't take punishment, but he also stopped some dudes pretty early. So, therefore, you wouldn't be taking all that punishment. So, yeah, we can look at that one fight and go, man, he got caught perfectly. And, and why, you know, Loma should be able to, it should be target practice that, you know, at times in this fight. It really should be. Um, and you wonder if Loma will 
be on the move more right away and then kind of stand his ground and also do that. I'm over here. No, I'm over there. You know how he's just from one side to the other real quick and he's punching you while he's doing it, you know? So I wonder if that's, uh, if that's how he's going to approach it. Like I said, Kome has to be even more of aggressive than he already is because you got you got to be able to, Get him on the ropes. You gotta be able to rough him up. And at 135, there's guys that maybe aren't on Lomachenko's level that have had success. Not just Lenar's knocking him out. Pedraza had some success. People had success at, at 135 against him. But beyond Tiafimo, he basically overcomes it or knocks him out. I mean, shit. Look at a. Uh, I mean, he looked damn good in his last fight, didn't he? Um, took care of business against uh, Nakatani took care of business so I I could see maybe a TKO um what was that the ninth or something tenth round that he knocked out something like that that he knocked out uh Nakatani I think it was the ninth ninth or tenth and could I see that yeah maybe but I also kind of think that you got to land these crazy, not just clean, flush, accurate, but you got to land these big power punching, you know, huge power punches, just like Tiafimo did in a sense, to, to, to stop him in his tracks and then just to, to hurt him so bad because he was obviously hurt enough to where technically it was a TKO, but he was done. So, and I don't know, I, you know, I don't know if he could do that per se. Uh, I know he's capable of it, but I'm just not quite sure. I mean, he's quicker or just as quick as Loma or uh, as Tiafimo. They both, you know, do try to pick their shots, but the difference is, well, not in the Cambosis fight. Tiafimo wasn't really picky with his shots. He was winging his shots, especially early, but the difference is Lomachenko tends to stay really active and busy throughout the fight. So even if you were to land the biggest shot, you'd probably have to kind of uh, either kind of make him back up or sometimes to the body or, or whatever, knock him down, you know, to win competitive, you know, consecutive, I should say, rounds. It's tough to do that against Loma. And um, unless he's not all up in his grill behind that jab, you know, thrown to the head and body hooks and that overhand right that he has and all that. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I, like I said, it's not that I don't think Tomei doesn't have a chance, you know, but within the first three or four rounds, oh, shoot, I just got shocked really bad. <laughs> um, that was weird. I wonder if you could hear that on the recording because it kind of went through my, kind of went through my mic. Um, so, where the hell was I? I just got electrocuted. Okay. That kind of sounds funny. That should be a movie. Where the hell was I? I just got electrocuted. Uh, maybe you could flip that around. But anyway, I like... I'm going to say decision. Maybe it's gotten to the point where Komei's ready to be TKO'd again. Possibility. I definitely will be eyeing those numbers as well. I don't feel confident on putting any underdog money on him, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, I like Lomachenko, you know, 
uh, I'm going to say unanimous decision, but a chance at a late TKO past the ninth or tenth or something like that because, uh, you know, Loma did look, uh, I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know, rejuvenated a little bit. He did actually look like he looked as himself in the last fight against Nakatani. I think that's obvious. He, he, now, the styles help, but sure, the styles help in that fight, but Komei's style helps Lomachenko in this one, too, if we're being honest. And I like to be honest, uh, you know, when I can. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's about it there. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I think Donaire's got it, too. I don't, I don't really see that. Uh, I don't really see, you know, I like Donaire. Um, let's see. Yeah, I like all the favorites, too, uh, on the Showtime card. Maybe Butler can do something with Casemiro on that uh, Dubai card, December 11th. So that's not on the zone. Well, I, I guess, uh, for some reason, I think I thought that was on the zone. It's nice to see Dimitri Bivol back, though. Uh, welcome back. Man, that guy, he's got uh, what appears to be, you know, high-level talent. And, and, you know, it it would seem that way, right? But um, since, like, late 2019, he just, you know, he had a nice run there, no doubt. It was a decent run, you know, where he beat, like, Sullivan Barrera and Chalemba and Joe Smith Jr. Definitely easily beat him, Pascal. But since then, I mean, let me look at it real quick. So, yeah, in the last two years, it's just been Castillo, Craig Richards, and now Salamov. I, I believe Salamov is a uh, – But that is about it when it comes to fight preview. I will do some news because um, there is some of that, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, so, so we'll get into some of that. This was actually, I think, posted a day ago on BoxingScene.com by Miguel Riviera. It was two days ago. It said Castaño training hard, this is the headline, Castaño training hard for Charlo rematch, pause, waiting for official work. And it was kind of a misleading quote in this one. And I kind of think he probably is mad that it's in Houston because the first one wasn't in Houston. It was in Texas, but it really wasn't like a home-home crowd for Charlo. But, and you know, Mexicans and Hispanics in general will probably come out in Houston anyway um, for, for, you know, it was a good fight too, very competitive fight. So, so I wonder if that's what he's kind of frustrated about because it is supposed to, uh, it's been positioned like it says right here, February 26th at the Toyota Center in Houston. Because the quotes don't really add up to being like legit. This is what he said. So far, I have no information in particular, like no written documents for sure, like officially signing it. 
Then he says, they want to rush me to have the fight in February, but I did not receive anything official. They asked me how it could, or how it would be for me to, like, the fit, how it would be for, for me to fight in February. They tried to test me on what I would agree to because they even talked about January. The point is that the date is also good for me because I'm not doing everything they want. So basically kind of saying like, well, I chose the, like I'm more happy with the February date so I can at least hold my ground. But here's where it gets a little funky because first of all, if they're telling you right now, a lot of fights start to get negotiated behind closed doors, but the people that are negotiating let the fighter know. So you start to get in the camp. You start getting going. And even right now, it's December 8th. You know, so you have, you know, that's almost, that that's close to three months already. And so it's like, that's not rushing you. <laughs> you know, if you're going to fight February 27th, or even in January, it wouldn't be the craziest rush because you would have already known it. And the, here's my other point. He did say that he's, he's been back in camp for a while working out and all that. But he also, this might be some of the reason, too. He says after the fight, the first week he stayed at his advisor's house. Then he went to Puerto Rico for like 10 days. When he returned in mid-August, uh, he said, I rested for a month because my father began to tell me that I had to train because Shirley Charlo was already doing it. He was already training, staying in shape. But I really didn't even want to go through the gym door. I finally started training in the gym about two and a half months ago. Until a month ago, I did one shift of training and now two shifts at the at a very good pace, good sparring. But he said he was fat. He said, and I know he got up in weight, but like he gets up in weight. But he said he was around 190, 95 pounds. And that motivated him to get in the gym and gradually, gradually, you know, lose the weight. Because uh, his dad's like, look at your belly, you know. Um, and, you know, he said he's about 176 right now. Um, and he's working comfortably without exhausting it. But that's my point. It's like the fight happened in July. Whether the fight was going to be a rematch in January or February, you had plenty of time. So to sit here and be like, oh, they're trying to rush me, it's just kind of like, they tried to rush me. They tried to test me, and and they're trying to rush me. They want to rush me to have the fight in February. It's kind of like, well, are you sure, dude? Like, you just got done saying that you've been training for two months on and off. So it's your own fault if you get big. Some some guys get big during camp, some or you know, off off of camp. Some people don't, but it, it seems like kind of an excuse to sit there and be like, oh, they're trying to rush me, even though I've been working out for two months and I'm down to a manageable weight now. It's like, well, that's on you, dude. Like, It's kind of funky. I don't know. Um, and I'll say this, too. Ever since the pandemic hit, these fights have been announced like six to eight weeks tops. Well, I shouldn't say tops, maybe 10 weeks tops, but whereas it used to be more like, I mean, sometimes you'd have the two-month thing, no doubt, but you'd already know the fight was taking place for like a month, you know, like the general public, and they were just finalizing stuff, and it needed to be officially, you know, announced, but I don't know. It could be that he was out of shape a little bit. It could be that he 
is mad that it's in Houston, which I get. I get that. But it's kind of like to, I don't know. It just came, it came across a little weird, like rushing you from July until December. It just seems like that's not that big of a rush, I guess is my point. Um, Joe Smith Jr., some more news. Joe Smith Jr. and Caleb Johnson uh, made it official for January 15th in Verona, New York. So that's something, right? That is something. Um, What do we got here? Oh, yeah. Well, already, yeah, someone sent me this. I think I talked about this last week, how uh, Murata and Golovkin's off because of the new COVID restrictions over there. Um, so that that's off and they're, they're looking to reschedule it next year in Japan, but it's like, man, they're going to have to put that thing off again. Like, geez, Louise, that, that Smith Johnson fight is on ESPN, by the way. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like, man, Golovkin and Murata, they've waited all year to do this. Now it's off. Reportedly, anyway, there's a bunch of money in this fight. So that's why they're, uh, you know, holding off on it. Uh, that Aoki fight, too. What is it? Anaconda's or whatever? That one's done, too. And I would, you know, I would have watched both of them, no doubt. I was definitely looking at the, the other fight, though, more, that 115-pound fight. Um, but, you know, whatever. Both of them, you know, both of them good. Um, Eddie Hearn, this is Boxing King Media. Eddie Hearn has confirmed there are now initial conversations about a possible step aside for Anthony Joshua to allow Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk next. Uh, he just wants to fight Usyk, but if there's a route, an offer, uh, it makes sense. We'll see. That's going to be a lot of money. That's a lot of money on top of the fact that the WBC just ordered the WBC just ordered Tyson Fury and Dillian White to open negotiation period. So could they fight that what they're gonna are they gonna need both? <laughs> they're gonna need both of them? I, I don't know. I mean you're gonna need both to step aside? I don't know. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. is back, folks. Not in 2021, though. January 26th, Gary Russell Jr. is going to take on uh, Mark Maxayo, I think is his name, Um, which he's an unbeaten Filipino prospect. Considering how long he's been out of the ring, I think it's, it's interesting on that one. I think it's interesting. By the way, um, the International Boxing Hall of Fame just announced their class of 2022. Miguel Cotto, Roy Jones Jr., James Tony, also Holly Holm and Regina Halmich are in there. Uh, Uncle Bill Kaplan, Ron Borges, and Bob Yalen. Um, also Todd Morgan, an old time old timer. And Chuck Hull, a non-participant, uh, you know, the, he's passed. But uh, the key thing is there, 
um, as far as the men's boxing, Cotto, Jones, and to- uh, Tony, and then Home and Helmich, too. Um, and, you know, that Regina, she definitely had, like, she was very successful. She had a, you know, very successful career when you look at uh, her numbers. You know what I'm saying? This is what Bob Aram said to fight hype. I don't think to, about George Camposis. I don't think he's top caliber. He fought Tiafimo, uh, a Tiafimo Lopez that should have been in the hospital, not the boxing ring. He also said Bob Aram has said they've been, oh, they've been led to believe that the WBO with Bob only are going to order Vasily Lomachenko as mandatory for George Cambosis. He added that they'd be happy to do it in Australia if the pandemic allows it, if they don't tweak any of the stuff. So, kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Now, you know, can can they put in a petition before and say, I want to choose it. I don't want, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to fight somebody else. And, and, and since he just won all the belts, will they give him uh, a, a defense? You know, just one defense, go for it. Or will they, you know, call someone? I, like I kept saying earlier, I think, I think somebody's going to call here. I think I mentioned this. Someone sent this to me that uh, Tank relinquished his uh, WBA belt, the half a belt. So, um, you know, you still got a half a belt at 135. Are they going to call that? What, what's going to go on, man? All three of those. Kind of interesting how that goes. Um, what else do I got in the news? I think. Oh, Mark. Oh, this is kind of a boxing Twitter thing. Mark Ortega. He makes a good point here. He says Sergey uh, Dervinchenko is a rare 13 and three fighter who has bagged over 10 million in purses despite never winning a world title or being a side. That's why it's called the boxing business. No kidding. And speaking of schedule, that guy's schedule, man. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> Golovkin, Charlo, tough fight he just got off. Jacobs, like, going to fight Canelo, but Canelo dropped that belt because of the money thing. Um, oh, man, that that's crazy, dude. That is really crazy. So, um, let's see if Portland, if you want to, if you want to pitch in here real quick and see if he, if you, maybe you're at work and you're just chilling. I'm going to send you a text, too. Um, otherwise, I'll go through a couple of messages. Oh, boy. just saw one that I hadn't seen before. <laughs> um, uh, and then we'll, we'll finish with Boxing Twitter, our Boxing Twitter segment, uh, where we read, you know, the tweet of the week and the fanboy stuff, media fanboy stuff. While, you're wait, while I'm waiting for uh, Portland to respond, um, so I got a message saying I'm always two things, always hard on Eddie Hearn, even though Eddie Hearn's always, and this is the funny part, because I've literally played this audio before, 
so I, I, I can access it very quickly. He's always been looking to fight, make a fight no matter what platform it's on. He's always done that from the jump. The second he came over from the U.S., is what this guy said, but he's always been willing to do it. He's always putting up money for it. He just wants to make the best fights. He don't care where it is and all that stuff, right? And then with Terrence Crawford, Terrence Crawford, once again, because I, I, I'm always giving both sides of the Spence and Crawford thing, um, trying to be fair about it, right? You know, he he <laughs> he says that, you know, of course, it always happens when Spence fights, then Crawford's, you know, ducking him hard. When when Crawford wins and fights, then now it's the other way, you know. And I, I did like that video, by the way. Um, and he linked that that little Twitter clip <laughs> of uh, Terrence Crawford in the ocean, saying, "I'm looking for the big big fish, you know, <laughs> it's the big ass ocean. Where are you at? You're hiding." And he's saying, you know, he's hiding. He can't, he he won't do it. Crawford's done everything, and at multiple people, I saw this on Twitter, but in this message basically said the same thing. He's done everything he could to make this fight. Spence is the one ducking. And this guy, I think it's a guy, I can't really tell off the Twitter handle, but this dude who must have, I don't know, unfollow, follow me real quick, I don't know, but I got a direct message from him. And he's talking about that Craw- you know, Crawford's done everything he could to make this because look at the Porter. Porter's the only one that would take it. But remember, Porter, and by the way, if you're on here right now, because I do see a variety of numbers that I, I, I'm not totally familiar with, press one, we can talk about this. But he said that Porter's the one who took the fight because he wasn't afraid. Spence is afraid. And that, you know, he he goes on to say like he would take see the thing is Porter went over there and basically took like what's close to a sixty forty. And that's why it made sense in a lot of ways. Because Porter's not a ticket seller on his own. Crawford can sell tickets. Maybe he doesn't sell as many spents, but he does sell tickets. He's always had a solid ticket base. Um, and now he has two fights that went over a million, and maybe, maybe that 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 fight went to two over two million. We, we don't know just yet with him and Porter at the gate, anyway. But that's why he was there. First of all, they put up a reported four million, but then Porter's pops Ken said it was five million. So whether that's seven and five. Six and four, whatever it was, maybe it's six and five. Point is, he took the lower of the two to make the fight. And we've heard plenty of times, plenty of times, that Crawford Crawford doesn't want to do 50-50. Or not 50-50. Well, he said it shouldn't be 50-50. If anything, he's the A side. Crawford multiple times now, and I've, I've said it on both sides. Now, if Spence tries to do the 80 20 shit like it probably is 70 to 30 but i've heard him say multiple times that it's 60 40 i'm good with right but he he said jokingly i believe that he may have to 80 20 him you know as a joke right now if he if he said i'm not going to do the fight 
it has to be 80-20. Well, I would give him shit for that. I think most of us would. But on the flip side, you can't just let Crawford walk all alone. First of all, he did sign to top rank, and Manny went over the PBC. So he could have waited to make sure that they had the Pacquiao fight. Because that was now I understand the the you know the guarantees were very solid. He made a lot of money. That's cool. But <laughs> come on, you know. And now, okay, so they're listening. I it's not in the browser. So like I said, if you're listening, press one. Or maybe they, yeah, because I've been in uh, off the live stream for a while. So press one if you want to join in. But to be fair, like. Now, I'm not I, – I think, I think Crawford would do it for 50-50. I'm not sold he'd do it for 40 or 60, just off of his words. And maybe he's trying to negotiate it so it isn't 70-30. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I've heard multiple times, and it's super easy. It's funny because during this time, I've literally Googled it. And, and of course, this person hasn't Googled it because they've done everything they can, and he would – he would, you know, he would take the B-side money and all this stuff. That's, that's basically like a long list, a paragraph of what Crawford's done to try to make it. And we know when they had that Twitter back and forth and they said they, they called each other and they figured it out, they're going to fight in the future. In that time frame, Spence said it. He said, you already know what it takes. You already know what it takes to make the fight. And to me, that's 60-40. But here it is. I literally Googled it while I was talking. That's how easy it is to get this stuff. But Crawford, this is, this is from a year ago, Crawford on the Spence fight. If it ain't 60-40 in my favor, it won't happen. This is what he said. Now, in this article on Boxing Scene, Spence is saying that he – he, he would do it for 60-40. Spence, you know, he, he says he deserves the larger split. I would do it 60-40 for obvious reasons. I definitely should get the bigger share. The proof is in the pudding. Who's the bigger draw? He's a great fighter, but I feel like 60-40 is the right price. And, and, and like I said, if you went to 80-20, I'd talk shit about it. Or that wouldn't be talking shit. I, I'd be critical. But he's for sure 60 that's just given like it doesn't mean that Crawford's not going to win the fight but this is the boxing business so this is what Crawford said and it's saying he said this to fight hype on this one he said if that's the case Crawford of the 60-40 fight is automatically a non-starter that fight not going to happen because he already he's already talking that it's a 60-40 deal if it ain't 60-40 in my favor then the fight's not going to happen. I've accomplished way more than he did in his little career. <laughs> I don't really care if that don't happen anymore and all that other shit, right? Um, but I'm not the one – oh, I'm not the one that is the reason why it didn't happen. I'm not the one uh, – you guys say I need Spence. I don't need Spence. He needs me. This is out of – and he said this multiple times over the last few years. That he's the A side. Now, I, I, I could see him taking a 50-50 fight. Maybe I'm ignorant with that. 
But I do think that some of this is talk to hold his ground to try to get 50-50. But the reason why, to back that up, the reason why Porter, he went and took a little less money to go over there. That's why that fight happened. Now, the WBO helped, too, because they did a 60-40 purse split rather than, you know, 70-30 or some kind of 80-20 or some shit like that. So, it, you know, you can't, you got to look at both sides on this, and he said this multiple times. Now, I don't, I don't know if he really believes that he's the A side, because he's also, I've heard him, and this is what I'm saying, that I've heard him say, yeah, he sells more of a blah, blah, blah. You know, I've heard him say it, whatever. But, and the reason why he's not as big as name is because he doesn't have the name. That's why, right? So now he's a free agent. But like I said, if, and that's a big IF, capital IF, if he were to say, I'm only doing that fight for 60-40, then you can't sit there and say Spence is ducking anybody. Because clearly Spence deserves 60-40 on this. He could be a dick and say 70-30 if he wanted to, but, you know, I don't think he's doing it. He's made 60-30 or 60-40 pretty. So, so that's you. But as far as the Eddie Hearn stuff, from the jump, since he reached the, the U.S. shores, as he said in this message, that he, he didn't care what platform anything is on. It's like, dude, haven't you ever heard the clip about the middleweight division? Like, dude, Eddie's the one who said that you have to be a zone fighter to get a fight with zone fights, and then it didn't work out. And he couldn't make enough intriguing middleweight fights, so that's what happened. Now he's now he's looking potentially for other stuff. But this is what he said. This is in his opening stuff. This is what he said. If you want to fight Canelo, you have to be a design fighter. If you want to fight Joshua, you have to be a design fighter. And this Saturday, three days' time, Demetrius Andrade goes for the world middleweight title. And in ten days' time, in this room, Danny Jacobs goes for the world middleweight title. So in ten days' time... Touch wood, the zone have the entire roster of middleweight world champions. So people like Charlo, you ain't, you no fights for you. If you want to be a world middleweight champion, you better join the zone ASAP. There you go. If you want to fight any of those guys, you got to be a zone fighter. And hey, I get it. I'm not, I'm not freaking out about that. But don't act like he came over here breaking bread. And shit like that. Because we saw how low ball he did with Wilder, too. Remember? Started out at 5 million. Then 7.5. Then 10. Then 12.5. Then 15. Then 17. All the while, it could have been 40 million. And guess who knew they had that kind of budget while he was sitting there negotiating with Wilder? So you're going to offer 5 and 7.5 and and 10? When at the end of the day, the fight to DAZN anyway was worth $40 million to pay Wilder. You see what I'm saying? that, And he's a promoter, dude. This is his job. I'm not saying that, but he was lowballing the shit out of him. And he was the one bringing the money with DAZN over there. I mean, it wasn't his money, but he was the one that had the deal, so he had to have known what his budget was. You know what I mean? And he loves to talk about it now. Oh, you could have gotten this. You could have gotten that. Okay, well... Why are you offering $5 million then? So, like, you got to stop taking sides, guys. Whether your favorite fighter is Anthony Joshua, 
whether it's, you know, Golovkin, whether it's just no matter what, anti-PBC, whatever. But to sit here and say that bullshit, and like I said, press one if you're on right now. You can, I'll let you have your side, but based off the message you sent to me, come on, dude. Like, I mean, there's fucking audio of it, dude. <laughs> like, it's pretty basic. Anyway, we are going to get to Portland. 503, Hostway. Let's get out there and see how he's doing. And then we'll finish it up with some boxing Twitter because there's some fun tweets as well. All right, Portland. What's going on, man? 503. Hey, yo, yo, what up, what up, Chris? Hey, yo, I'm doing good here in cold-ass Oregon, but I uh, hope you're doing good. Chris, how's everything, brother? Man, I'm doing good. Tell you what, dude, it's, it's since warmed up. But for the first time of the year, we uh, we got down in the single digits, man. Supposed to literally oh, jump geez. up to like 30 and 40, but we got single digits already, dude. Oh, geez. Damn, bro. Damn, that sucks. We're not even that close yet, but I feel cold, man. You know me, uh, you know, I'm Latin, so, I, you know, I should be in the sun, but we, uh, we're out here in the north. You know, in this cold-ass weather, so, but we, we got to do what we got to do, so, but yeah, man, a lot of boxing this weekend, brother, uh, let's get into it, um, let me start off with uh, last week's fights, the, uh, the the most important fight, I thought, and um, uh, the one that kind of mattered uh, was uh, Teofimo, Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis, if I could start off with this one, I know I missed last week's uh, uh, show, so I wanted to just recap real fast, uh, you know, I, I like this fight, um, there's one thing that caught me, caught my attention during uh, the pre-fight uh, press conference with uh, Lopez and George. And, uh, you know, um, George, and when they were going back and forth and uh, Teofimo kept talking about the titles and, you know, you know, you don't have them. And I remember uh, George, George Camboso said he had mentioned that, oh, these are your curse. Like, you know, these are your curse, you know. And uh, I thought that spoke heavy to me when he said that just because he um, – you know, these belts, a lot of these belts, you know, either they make you or they break you. You know, it, it depends on what kind of, you know, what you could do and uh, how much, uh, you know, if you could keep those titles. And that, that's the most difficult part, you know. And uh, Lopez, you know, Lopez uh, went in there. Uh, obviously, he went for the kill in the first round uh, thanks to his dad, uh, you know, claiming that he, they, they're going to knock him out in the first round, which didn't happen. But George well, George Cambosis boxed beautifully, stayed composed, and waited for that beautiful counter right hand that caught uh, Lopez right there almost close to the end of the round of the first. Um, you know, Cambosis, man, um, I really liked how he how he stayed focused in this fight. He didn't, he didn't let, uh, you know, emotions get to him. Obviously, Lopez was fighting with heavy emotion, trying to just spark him out and, Going for big flow, uh, big power punches uh, every round, um, and I think that's what cost him. Uh, really, man, he should have stayed focused and and try to box, and and take your time with George Cambosos. I think you know, like everybody thought. I thought you know, uh, just like me, you know, I thought Teo Fimo was supposed to win this fight, uh, you know, smoothly, you know. So and uh, for him, you know, for him to get upset like this is huge, and um, you know, it, it, it looks like. 
Teofimo's uh, moving up in weight now, so which is a good idea, um, in my opinion. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, because he did look depleted. Uh, maybe it is time to move up in weight, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, if I could ask, if I could uh, somehow, uh, uh, like, request a fight for him, and I would love for him to fight uh, Jose Ramirez in his next fight, uh, them being both with uh, with top rank. And, you know, Ramirez came off a loss against, uh, you know, the number one at 140 pounds, uh, Josh Taylor. I thought, you know, Teofimo coming off a loss, I think in this fight, you know, uh, Honduras uh, versus Mexico, I thought I think this fight would, would sell big time, you know, in my opinion. Uh, that, but that that's what I would like to see for Lopez in his next route. And I would believe, you know, uh, he should stay at 140 next. Uh, he should campaign there, see what's up, um, see how we, how it goes. I know there's I know that there's Josh Taylor, you know what I mean, and uh, you know he's a he's a monster that guy. So, but he looks like he's maybe moving up in weight, but we'll see we'll see what comes up in, up, up in their futures. But as far as George Combosas, it looks like you know the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, I would tell him right now, fight in Australia, like a big hometown, you know, welcome kind of fight, you know, for like an A side treatment. Um, uh, that's what I would want for him. But I know uh, business is. Business is first, and uh, it looks like you know there's some some uh, th- some big names in the horizon. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the, this last weekend's fights. Uh, Jojo Diaz, uh, Devin Haney. I, you know, I was excited for this one. Uh, you already know Jojo Diaz. I back him up. He's Mexican. Uh, Devin Haney. Uh, you know, he looks solid in this fight. I can only give really Jojo Diaz only two rounds in this one. Um, Devin Haney boxed. You know. Uh, uh, good. Uh, I don't want to say he boxed like Floyd. I thought he, in my opinion, he boxed more like uh, his style, like Devin Haney. Like in the Lenaris fight, I thought he tried to fight more like Floyd. But in this one, I, I felt like he actually tried to just beat Devin Haney in this one, and uh, uh, and it worked for him. Uh, he he did good. Um, the only thing that I could complain is that he wasn't able to finish the show. Um, he got a unanimous decision win, but I would like to see Devin kind of go for it and kind of, you know, put some gloves on and make it, you know, exciting for the fans. And, um, you know, and uh, that that's that that was just would have been my uh, take for Devin. Uh, but Devin looked good. Uh, he gets the win, and that's what matters. So he moves he moves forward with his career. He still captures that WBC belt, and um, you know, and uh, you know, we'll see with with with. What's up with him in the future? Because uh, maybe uh, George Cambosis is next. But uh, in uh, but this uh, on Sunday, man, if I could uh, if I could bring up the the Sunday fight real fast, uh, Davis uh, Isaac Cruz, man. Uh, you, know, you know, bro, the anthem. Uh, Chris, I hope you you had chills when you heard the national oh, yeah. Mexican national anthem there, bro. Because you know we're representing it all, dude, bro. And, and, and what can I say, man? As long as you're Mexican. And you're gonna fight in a, in a Mexican populated area, bro. They're gonna come out for you. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna come in heavy, you know, chanting Mexico and uh, you know, bring, bringing the flag out for Mexicans, you know, because obviously uh, Isaac Cruz, it felt like he was the A side in this fight. Like it felt like they, the crowd knew him. The, I felt like the the crowd was there for him. Um, uh, so uh, man, what can I say, man? But the. Uh, but what, but like man, when the national anthem hit, you could tell, man, the, what fans are roaring. Um, Isak Cruz, I'm not not disappointed. He definitely he he lost the fight. I thought to me, in my opinion, it, it was close to a draw, or uh, maybe even um, a split decision win for Tank Davis. That that's my opinion. Um, 
you know, to me, there's no failure in Cruz. Cruz didn't lose any. He might he might have lost the fight, but to me, he gained star power. He gained fans. Yeah. He gained uh, he gained way more uh, love from boxing. You know, more boxing media. Now we know who the hell this guy is, man. Because, bro, who the fuck, who the hell thought that this guy was gonna put pressure, you know, from one round to twelve, to, 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 you know, to the twelfth round, and then have Davis fight off the back foot? I thought Davis was really gonna come. In this fight, you know, um, uh, dangerous. I thought he was going to put pressure on, you know, I thought someone was going to get knocked down in this fight. Um, you know, and Tank Davis was, you know, boxing. And, and you know, to me, if you saw Cruz, uh, you know, a smaller fighter was able to make uh, Tank Davis, uh, you know, the power puncher at box, you know, that to me, that is a win. He, he, he did not want to go toe to toe with Isak Cruz, and obviously there was, uh, man, he was countering, uh, not, no, well, not countering, but he was blocking up some beautiful shots from Davis, some really, really good uppercuts. Um, to me, like I said, Cruz didn't uh, lose this fight. He, to me, he he wins. Um, he, he gets a, uh, what are those, uh, moral wins? And, uh, <clears throat> because, like, man, holy crap, man, he was there toe-to-toe. He wanted to stand toe-to-toe with Tank Davis, man. And, uh, you know, holy crap, he was, you know, like Dave, also Davis broke his left hand on his forehead. So, man, it was, it didn't, it didn't look good for Davis in this fight, man. And, um, but to me, uh, Esau Cruz gets all the credit, you know, he, he gets bigger, uh, you know, I hope bigger things and the bigger opportunities are for him in the future. Um, you know, and I would love man for, uh, maybe even, um, uh, a surprise like uh, like you know uh, like JoJo Diaz versus Isak Cruz or or Devin Haney versus Isak Cruz something like that would be would be big I think in my opinion um, but man uh, Isak Cruz definitely delivered in my opinion he was he made the pay per view worth it I was you know I was uh, you know the, these these last few months man they you know they catch up to you but man I, I am a <clears throat> I am a, a boxing junkie for this reason but only but in all honesty only for fights like this I am not going to buy the uh, Jake Paul, uh, Jake Paul versus Woodley rematch. Right. I'm, uh, I'm not going to do that one, right? Because, yeah, me neither. You know, I think, me neither. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I think the pay per view uh, time is over for this for this year. You know what I mean? Uh, let's start next year. Sure, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, man. And um, but yeah, man. Uh, Tank Davis uh, moves forward. He he got the win. I I hope he stays <clears throat> at 135 pounds. Uh, he is. He is. Yeah, He's just, already dropped his. Oh, he is. Oh, okay. He's standing yeah. at 135. Okay, sweet man, because you know who knows with him, he might stay up, he might go up to 140. Him being, him him being with Mayweather, you know they're in their own route. You know what I mean? They're in their own lane. I don't see him, uh, in all honesty, challenging uh, a Devin Haney or a George Cambosos. Uh, maybe George Cambosos. I maybe I could see George Cambosos him. Um, you know, uh, him having having no ties with Eddie Hearns. Uh, just because I saw that interview with uh, with what's his name, um, Leonard Elby. You know, kind of, yeah. uh, you know, threatening uh, Eddie Hearns on society. Well, and, and I, go ahead. yeah, him and Hearn have been going back at it this last year, back and forth a lot. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't know. You know, in all honesty, I didn't know what was up with that. I thought he just like brought that all well, of a sudden. Hearn, like, I don't. I don't Hearn, uh, Hearn, Hearn called the Haney uh, Diaz fight a bigger fight than, oh, okay. like, a bigger event than Gervonta mm. Cruz. Which is like, come on, dude. Like, yeah, it didn't but, even like, turn out to be friend. a better fight in the ring. The Cruz and Javante right. in the ring and in the arena was much bigger. You know, so that's, that's how it all started. Well, it started for a while, okay. but that's how they went back oh, and forth okay. this time. Because he came on the yeah, mic and I was like, this is a bigger fight. This is a much bigger fight. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, is I, it? You know, <laughs> you know, are you sure? 
You know, I, I get all the promoters, uh, you know, trying to big up their own fights, uh, saying their their sure. their yeah. their uh, event is a lot bigger. But you know, I don't like that Eller uh, Ellen uh, fucking uh, Eller Ellerby. I forget his name. Ellerby. Yeah, uh, got it. Him threatening Eddie Hearns just because it kind of it kind of puts a you know a block over that bridge. You know what I mean? Like it it just it there's it doesn't get closer to make this fight. If prom- both promoters are not liking each other. Uh, it just seems to me again I like the Cold War again all over again, in which I don't would hate for it to happen. Um, obviously, you know, money makes sense. Uh, LRB always keeps saying that money makes sense, and obviously, this money or this is a big money fight with uh, uh, Tank, Dav- uh, Tank Davis and Devin Haney. That's that's a big fight to me, man. That's definitely pay per view worthy. <clears throat> but hopefully, you know, promoters could get along in the future. I just don't like the you know threatening other promoters. Oh, it's on site. I'll slap the hell out of them. About, you know what I mean? I just I don't want to hear that. Let the fighters uh, fight uh, or talk that way. You know, let promoters just dig up their fights or whatever, but I just, I don't know, to me, I hope that doesn't um, burn the bridge, you know what I mean, I just hope that that they could still make this fight happen maybe next year, because that would be dope, Um, but yeah, man, and uh, the money, what he talks about is money is, is how much is Haney going to ask, he said he's not going to overpay him, that's all, that's the, that's what Leonard said, he said, well, he's already making three mil a fight, so you'd assume if he's going to fight Tank, he's going to have to make more than that, but is Haney yeah. worth five or six million dollars at this point when he can't sell tickets? I mean, it's it's a good you know it's a good it's a good debate. You know, like how much money yeah, am I going to have to pay him? You know, I don't know. We'll see. I've yeah. always thought Ryan yeah. Garcia and Tank because that's the, the biggest. I know a lot of people yeah. don't want to admit it, but that's the biggest money fight actually um, in the division right now. I've always thought they were going to fight first. Tank, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. You know what? That was that was. Uh, I really liked that fight when it was talked about. But just knowing Ryan Garcia, uh, his his mental state, I don't think he wants any part of Tank Davis right now. Uh, that's just my honest opinion. You know, he wants three fights next year. We'll we'll see if it's real. You know, we'll see how real that is. You know what I mean? That's to me, it's almost like. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Gary Russell talk, you know what I mean? Talking about, you know, fighting more than one a, once a year, and then, you know, he has his annual fight. And uh, so, I don't know, man. We'll we'll see with that, but I agree I with you. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't put you know, Garcia and so? Gary Russell one fight a year. Well, I mean, he's only had well, one I, year where he had one fight. And, you yeah. know, he did hurt himself this year. Mm-hmm. He signed to fight Diaz, and he, he had to have surgery on his hand. So, I do believe that, you know. Okay. But the fight, yeah, the and, uh, fight was all but done. But remember, the Manny Pacquiao sweepstakes came up. Yeah, and that's why Ryan. Remember, and then the mental yeah. health thing. So I hear what you're saying, though. I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We'll see, man. He did, to me, like I said, uh, Ryan Garcia still has a lot to prove to me. Uh, you know, he's a Mexican. I want to back him up. But as far as he, he just got this more of a a superstar mentality, and I just, you know, I just don't like that. Um, but we'll see. You know what I mean? The next year is definitely going to be late. I think all these guys have uh, something to prove. Besides Loma oh, yeah. and Tiafimo, all of them have something to prove, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and especially uh, this week weekend for uh, for Loma, man, he's got Comey. So, you know, uh, that's uh, we'll see with that one, man. But, then dude, this has been a crazy uh, – you know what I mean? This is this is such a hot division right now. Is lightweight? Holy crap! I can't. There's so many names, so many possibility of fights that could happen. It's just it's insane right now with with boxing yeah. right now, man. It's a uh, it's really cool, man. And uh, it's a it's a really good spot where boxing is right now, man. Because they got. I mean, there's so much going on right now. This last quarter was insane. Like just so many fights, and they're still coming. So 
Um, <clears throat> you know what I mean? If, if if this last quarter was all full of pay-per-views, man, I can only imagine the first quarter of next year. Like how how insane is that going to be? Like you know, and um, but yeah, and uh, we'll we'll just have to wait and see about that. But yeah, man, as far as that, uh, well, we got uh, like I said, uh, Loma Loma is next this weekend. Uh, you know, I I, I I I believe Loma should be able to win this one. Um, uh, but well, you know, but we'll see. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, there they could be upsets. You know what I mean? As far as so many upsets that have have happened, so you know, I mean, no one's really sure what's going to happen now. But man, uh, but yeah, man. As far as that, don't have uh, too much to say. Oh, before I get out of here, too, man, I just uh, I forgot. Uh, I want to wish. Uh, I know he's probably not going to hear it, but I want to wish uh, Bob Arum a happy 90th, big 90th birthday to him today. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's huge. Uh, uh, you know, the you know legendary promoter out there. Uh, we all know him. If you know boxing, I don't have to talk too much about him. We know who he is. Uh, you know what I mean? So I just want to wish him a happy uh, 90th birthday and, and uh, you know, uh, wish him all the best. Um, he says he's still uh, not retiring. He's still continuing. So let's see what uh, 2020, uh, 2022 brings for uh, for top rank. Uh, but, yeah, man, but as far as that, yo, Chris, thank you for having me on. Viva Ropa Dope Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, 2022, we need some of these, uh, more of these lightweight fights that, you know, I actually got to happen. But uh, I actually got a little shtick last week for calling these fights quarterfinals. You know, it's a bunch of quarterfinals. And um, it's really not that far off. I mean, Cambosis shocked everyone, knocked him off, uh, Lopez. Lopez still in the mix, although I think he's going to go to 140. Um, Isak Cruz was a lot better than a lot of people thought. I didn't shit on the fight like it was a bad fight. I, I knew he was in the top ten. I, I had seen him dust off Magdanello. Um, why isn't that a quarterfinal fight? But as it turns out, uh, it was. It was a quarterfinal fight. Now, I don't think that they're going to one guy fight someone and then fight someone and then fight. There's going to be mandatories. There's going to be, you know, um, defenses of belts, you know, with a good fight but not a great fight. I don't expect them to all fight each other in a row for the next three years. You know, what I mean, that's just not. That's unless it's like trilogies or something. That that just doesn't happen. I mean, just based off mandatories, who's ever going to be undisputed is going to owe some mandatories. Right now, the mandatories are bomb though. The w, like I mentioned earlier, the WBO is Lomachenko if he wins. The WBA should be uh, Tank Davis. And then, you know, the WBC is Devin Haney. I don't know who the IBF is now I think about it. But you know what I mean? That, that's, that's, those are good fights. So we'll see, man. But, yeah, 2022, um, the lightweight division has a chance to really catch fire, man. Really catch fire. I mean, it's already on fire. we got to put some gasoline on that thing. Okay, so. Kind of funny you're talking about pay-per-views lined up, because uh, if you're still listening, Portland, we got something that's kind of interesting potentially here. Now, Keith Thurman is, it sounds like January 29th, we know it was going to be in the first quarter, he was going to come back, right? And we knew, like, some people are like, why don't you just come back against Crawford, bro? What the fuck? You know, it's like, all right, I hear you, but, dude, he's been out of the ring for two and a half years, like, had surgeries, 
he's been getting back. Come on, dude. Like, why would you even want, why not let him get a, get a fight <clears throat> and then fight Crawford? I think it's really funny because the second, some of these people are going to be the same people that take away credit to Crawford because Thurman won't look his best than me. And I'm not saying just having one tune-up and he'd be back and it'd be the same old Thurman. We don't know. But that's the point. You know, why be out for over two years and then fight Crawford? Crawford's not going to get as much, you know, uh, credit for it, you know? I mean, uh, Thurman fought um, Lopez, Jose Cito Lopez, right? And then fought Pacquiao. Anyway, um, on the Nevada Commission agenda, um, December 13th, um, the commission meeting there is uh, TGB Promotions date request for January 29th at the MGM to be televised on pay-per-view, Fox pay-per-view. Keith Thurman will be in the main event. Now, there's, there's a couple different names. There's Mario Barrios. There's other names that I've heard, too, getting thrown around. Abel Ramos, which is always a game dude, um, and is at that level, you know, where it'd be a good fight for him to come back to, but also a, a major opportunity for somebody like an Abel Ramos. There was another name that's escaping me right now, but it was another just solid name or whatever. Um, and there was a rumor that Barrios and Thurman, it's a rumor, may fight. And there's also a date held because uh, uh, Jake Do- that was Dan Raphael. Jake Donovan said, uh, in addition to that hold, January 29th at the MGM, he's told the event could also land in San Antonio, which Barrios, you know, that's a good place for Barrios. Um, so the PBC, PBC has a Texas commission for that date on hold as well. Um, the whole the zone also has a hold January 29th at the Cosmo uh, with Liam Smith and Jesse Vargas. So I don't know, dude. Keith Thurman, Abel Ramos, Keith Thurman, um, Barrios. To me, that's kind of an interesting fight, and it's like a perfect level for him to come back to. Um, but we'll see. You know, obviously there's no 100%, you know, on it. But I do know that there is some fights that are going to get announced at some point. Whether it's, I don't know if it'll be before Christmas. My hunch is that it'll be a little after Christmas. Uh, Maybe in the week between Christmas and New Year's. I don't really know for sure. But that is something to kind of uh, pay attention to. Because we knew Keith was going to come back. And we'll see, you know, what happens. Anyway, um, just to kind of close this out, it's about to cut me off, so I'll just, uh, I'll just, I think I'll shut it down. I've already done some boxing Twitter stuff anyway, so let's. Um, someone actually, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh God, someone sent me this. this is Tweet. George Cambosis Jr. versus Prime Floyd Mayweather Jr. at 135. Who takes this one? What about Cambosis versus a 135 version of Ray Robinson? Cambosis Jr. is on that level. Come on, dude. Are we really going to go there? 
All right. I'm out of here. Enjoy the fights. Peace out. Later.